What number is this, Chip? Episode 90. Wow. Birds, the Bees, and the Monkeys Roundtable Discussion Side 1. And more. Always more. Always more. <laughs> okay, not mean don't get excited, man. It's because I'm short. I'm You're listening to Zilch, a monkey's podcast. Welcome to Zilch, your podcast full of monkeys, and here we are. My name is Ken Mills, and today I'm joined by Sarah Clark. Hey, everybody. And Christine Carlson-Wolf. Hi, guys. It seems like I say this almost every episode, but boy, there's so much going on in the world of the monkeys, and this week does not disappoint us. Where do we want to start? Let's check out the monkeys news. You're right, Ken. I always scratch my head and wonder and think, what more can we have to talk about? And they always provide something, right? Mm -hmm. Um, This was a heavy week, starting with some news about Peter Tork. Ooh. Yeah. We have the announcement. We have news that he's participating in uh, a date called Hot Autumn Nights. He is going to be performing with Peter Noon among other groups. This is going to be October 21st at the NYCB Theater at Westbury in Westbury, New York. Tickets are on sale now, and we will have a link for you in the show notes. Well, that's excellent, and it sounds like a great concert. I think everybody should go out there. You know, they always say it's an oldies night. Well, I'm I'm just going to call it a goodies night. Get out there and enjoy this (laughs) while you can. Peter Noon puts on a great show, and we know Peter Tork does, so it's it's just going to be fun for everybody that shows up. Yes. Sarah, what do you have? Well, I've got something from the You Never Know Where They'll Be Found files. Mm. I have been, uh, believe it or not, I have interests other than the monkeys, mm-hmm. and the last few weeks I have been totally obsessed with a new series on Hulu, The Handmaid's Tale, uh, adapted from one of my favorite novels. It's by Margaret Atwood. It's about... Uh, a dystopia set in current day America. I'm not going to tell you a whole lot more than that because you've probably been hearing lots on the internet and I don't want to like spoil things. But I do feel as part Interesting Monkeys News and part PSA to other fans of the book and TV series, Daydream Believer is part of the intro music in episode four of Handmaid's Tale and it's used in sort of a very ironic slash creepy slash sad nostalgic manner and it within the context of the story and it's just going down while cooking meth had been my previous favorite usage (laughs) of monkeys music in recent tv but i think this one takes the cake so let's hear this opening bit now Shaving razors, 
Luke said she was missing it. He said we should wake her up. Her little hand was all sticky from the cotton candy. I can't do this. It's dangerous. If I let myself fall in too far, I won't ever get out. I've been banished to my room 13 days so far. My door is unlocked, doesn't even close all the way. A constant reminder of who's in control. Well, that's Okey almost doke. as interesting as when they used it in the Monkees TV show during a fight on a pirate ship, so... Oh, good point. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, you say dystopia? I think a doctor gave me a shot for that once. <laughs> Take these oh. pills, the dystopia goes away. There you go. So, <laughs> so check that out. It's, it's always cool to see the monkeys involved in popular culture. Christine, next up in Monkeys News. Well, we're going to hop over to the other side of the pond for the next couple of stories. Our friend of the show, Ian Lee, and his record company, 7A. What number is that? 7A. 7A. Don't get excited, man. i got to keep the running gag going. Uh-huh. It's because I'm short, I know. We both are. <laughs> so he has announced that their latest offering on 7A Label is Listen to the Bands, and it is released in U- the UK now and on pre-order here in the States. You can go to Amazon.com and uh, and order that. It's going to be released here on June 2nd. And what's really cool is you, when you're out there on Amazon, you can, if you have um, Amazon Music service, you can listen to samples of all of the tracks. And I've done that. And these fan-based recordings mm. are really a labor of love, you can tell. They are just some of the most amazing covers that I've heard. It's great. I'm really, really excited to hear this. Yeah, I think the one I am looking forward to the most is Wayne Avers doing For Pete's Sake, because I've heard that's a really good version of the people who've kind of heard that snippet of it. Yes, it's very, very surprising for more than one reason. Uh, I'm not going to spoil it. I'm going to let people discover it on their own. But yeah, it put a big smile on my face. Well, then, I'm just going to have to go ahead and see if I can get uh, Amazon Music to behave for me, I think. There you go. And since we're talking about Ian and uh, things that were happening over there, so on his show, he had Glenn Tilbrook from The Squeeze on as a guest. And Mr. Tilbrook kind of let loose with a little interesting monkeys adjacent news. He mentioned that he and Squeeze had been asked to write new music for Good Times. And Mr. Tilbrook said, well, yes, we were asked, but we weren't able to. Our schedules were such that we couldn't do it. But we are writing for their next one, their next album. That little bit of news kind of broke the monkey corner of the Internet last week. Wild speculation. Will there be? Won't there be? What will be? Who will be? Um, So, you know, we say, what more can the monkeys provide us to talk about? (laughs) Silly us. They've given us a big one there. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what may come of this in, uh, in the coming 
weeks and months, but I am excited. And all I am going to say on this topic is, in John Hughes, I trust. Amen, sister. Yes. (laughs) Whatever is or is not coming, in John Hughes, I trust. That's right. Very cool. He's the anti-Kirshner. And as the prophet Sonny and Cher told us, as the beat goes on. So the beat will go on, and we look forward to come what may. But, you know... Some people get upset about speculation, but to me, it just shows how much love there is for the monkeys out there. You know what I'm saying? People really Mm -hmm. want... The excitement continues. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. People really want this. And if it happens, I know I'll be ready to talk about it right here on Zilch, a podcast full of monkeys. Yep. Yep. Wouldn't that be something? And Sarah, I think you have some more for us. Yeah, it's the Ian Lee Day here on Tiny Toon Adventures because we've got yet another related news bit from his corner of the world. Apparently, he will finally be uploading uh, Listen to the Fans, which is a short film he made at the 2014 Monkeys Convention. I've gotten a chance to see it. There are a lot of faces and voices of people who are members of Zilch Nation or who have been on the Zilch podcast. And uh, it's just a fun little love letter to the Monkeys fandom community. I think everybody is really going to enjoy it. It'll be coming up on his YouTube channel soon, and we will obviously make sure you all have the link to that. I guess in full transparency, I should mention that I am on this documentary. It's actually something I did very shortly before I was looped into this zilch thing. Um, But you can always fast forward through those bits. So there you go. Very good. Anything else in Monkey News? Isn't that enough? Mm, It should be. But before we go into the regular part of our program, I would like to send a special shout out to our good friends, the Fab Four, who will be playing with Mickey and Mark Lindsay on the 50 Summers of Love Tour. And they recently were on AXS TV, and they played the entire Sgt. Pepper's album in full. And it was it was a blast. Those guys mm-hmm. put on a tribute show like nobody else. And special shout-out to them. Thank you for doing that, guys, because I, I know that I was personally watching live from my couch, and when... When Ari looked at the screen and said, hey, that guy on the couch out there, I know he was talking about me. I just know it. So uh, He was. What, what did you think of it, Christine? Oh, my gosh. I was, I was enraptured. I love to see them perform. They really embody each character. I loved all of the ways that they were able to incorporate the rich orchestration of that particular album. Four guys on a tiny stage. This was at the Whiskey A Go-Go in L.A., right? Mm -hmm. Not a large venue. And uh, uh, they, they... managed to have strings and horns and you know through the magic of technology but um, then they also had some additional musicians for um, within you and without you which was a beautiful thing to witness I I just ate it up I couldn't I, I wish that it hadn't stopped I could have listened to that all night I could have danced all night but just realize that those guys are monkeys fans too that's right. Uh-huh. Big Monkeys fans, and a That's special shout-out to, to Ron and the boys. And they even got to wish Natasha a happy birthday. So That was, that was so cool. cute. Yeah. I loved it. She looked great. She was having a blast up there, wasn't she? Uh-huh. <laughs> so 
we look forward to having Ron back on the show at some point. And they, as you know, played our Christmas party a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of cool. So let's check out this ad and we'll be back on the other side to discuss Birds, the Bees, and the Monkeys, side one. Hi, this is John Hughes from Rhino and you're listening to Zilch, a Monkeys podcast. This is TV's Batman with an urgent message. There's a new podcast in town called the Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion. You can look them up on Facebook or look at their own podcast page. And now, Robin, quickly, to the Monkey Mobile. And that is just one of the many Monkeys podcasts that are now out there. So check them all out and listen to the end of all of our episodes and we have the bloopers and we have ads for other shows that you might be interested in or books or things that you might want to check out so we are back with our discussion of the birds the bees and the monkey side one and you know a funny thing happened on the way to discussing the albums uh (laughs) we started out this show back in 2014 And with the year of the monkeys that came along, the 50th anniversary, we kind of got sidetracked. And we're making a big effort to get back to discuss all of the monkeys' albums. And we've already discussed the following albums. If you go back and find episode one and two, you'll find a discussion of the monkeys' first album. Zilch number four has Remember by Mickey Dolenz, where we talk about that. Zilch nine and ten is more of the monkey side one and more of the monkey side two headquarters side one and side two are on zilch 17 and 18 respectively zilch 37 has pisces aquarius capricorn and jones side one and 38 is side two and of course we discuss good times fully in episode 59 and then the four bonus tracks on zilch 74 so that brings us to today you lucky listeners, you out there. <laughs> Today, Jeff Hewlett will lead an intrepid team of people to go around the table and discuss side one. But before we get to that, I'd like to offer Sarah and Christine some tea. Would you like oh. some tea, ladies? Oh, sure. Thank you very absolutely. Much. Here you go. Now, I insist mm. that you take sugar. Do you both take sugar? I actually do, yes. Oh, good. Always. But... Ken, I don't think I've ever seen sugar cubes that look quite like this before. Well, I have, and I assure you that you'll love it. So please, here, have some. Make sure you stir it in there good. All right, very good. Okay. Mm. Why does this remember remind me of the cookies? So... Let's talk a little bit about our personal thoughts about the songs. I'm going to throw it out, and we're just going to do a mini roundtable before they take over, and we are transported to them. Before Jeff and the gang take over, and I'm going to throw out the track Dreamworld. Sarah, your quick thoughts on Dreamworld. It's a good song for what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoy it. Um, it's not a favorite, but it's not a not a favorite. So mm. I, I don't have anything terribly deep to say, unfortunately. And Christine? You? I, I'm sorry, Ken. Things are looking different and new. No, that's just the album cover. It's So your thoughts okay. on Dreamworld? Um, Dreamworld. 
yeah, that's a good state of mind right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it for what it is. Uh, also, I, you know, I I always listen to these albums from the mindset of my nine to fourteen year old self. I can't say much bad about many of them. So it's a it's a good Davy track. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll be the bad guy and say this album side one should either have dream world or we were made for each other because they're too close together and they seem like the same kind mm. of song to me yeah I'll no, i know you what you're saying yeah yeah but i wish that the album would have had a stronger kickoff i don't know what i would have mm-hmm. put on track one even i'll be back upon my feet maybe or something but as much as i enjoy dream world i don't believe it's a strong album opener but that's my biggest thoughts on that the second song, Auntie's Municipal Court. Sarah? I love this one. This is, I was sitting here earlier trying to figure out what my favorite track is from this album, and I think I vote this just slightly ahead of Tapioca Tundra. Uh, I love the lyrics on it. I love it's, this is one of those songs that really does have that whole country rock thing going on that Nez was starting to kind of dabble into at the time, and the lyrics are just wonderful too. Used to come as one, now comes as four. It, in, in retrospect, you can sort of kind of envision some things that he was possibly sort of exploring at the time through those lyrics. So, uh, and just, just all the layers and the instrumentation. It's an excellent tune. One of his best. Christine? I like it. I wouldn't put it as my favorite on this side. Um, I, I always like to hear Mickey's uh, interpretations vocally of um, Mike's songs, and it didn't disappoint from that perspective. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'd love to see an album called Mickey Does Mike. That would be great. Nothing but there are Mike many, many, many people out there. I think who would be on board with that idea. Add me to that list. I love this song. The next song, We Were Made for Each Other, Sarah kind of the same deal uh i enjoy the song i i think you're right it basically covers the same territory as dream world does um i might rank it slightly higher than dream world but yeah they're both very they're both good tunes but they're not like solid power tunes Mm -hmm. christine now that's interesting because between um dream world and made for each other i would put dream world ahead as far as which one I prefer, We Were Made for Each Other is just a little too syrupy, even mm, yeah. for my you know, inner child. But, it, you know, it's okay. I might have moved this closer to the end of side one, just to distance it from Dreamworld, perhaps. Yeah, that's part of the problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Next up, Tapioca Tundra. Yeah, well, I mean, you're talking about the set list, uh, the track list on this being kind of funky. It goes from Davy to Nez to Davy to even a Nezier Nez song, <laughs> and it just gets more Nezish as the side rolls on. Yeah. But I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Tapioca Tundra, it's excellent. Um, I, I again, the lyrics are wonderful. I'm I'm glad to have it on this album and it was interesting i mean i put that in full in our last uh, episode when we were talking about infinite tuesday because it's just one of those great i mean almost tone poems that he puts together and i love the intro on this too it was wonderful getting to hear this live uh, a few years back so 
Mm-hmm. Christine? This song may be my favorite Nez song ever. It's up um, there. <clears throat> yeah, it, it from the lyrics and the many ways that they can be interpreted um, as you're hearing them to the many ways that he has interpreted them in song. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the trippy psychedelia of of the way he delivers it in, in this particular track uh to me it embodies the late 60s and uh i i cannot get enough of it mm-hmm. yep i don't think i ever understood the full meaning of this song until recently but mm-hmm. we will let the panel mm-hmm. discuss that and track five the the song that in many people's eyes is the monkey's song right for, you know for many mm-hmm. people this is it daydream believer sarah yep we go from one of the quintessential Nez songs to one of, uh, to the quintessential Davy's signature song. This is really kind of him at the peak of his powers and at the peak of, you know, the, the peak monkeys, you know, the rainbow broom dancing along. It's iconic. And it's just a perfect pop song, too. I mean, there's a reason they used it so ironically at the start of that Handmaid's Tale episode, because it just it, it brings sunshine and summer and happy days and innocence and all that lovely stuff mm-hmm. christine i agree um visually uh sonically lyrically everything about daydream believer is the embodiment of the monkeys um mm-hmm. uh, it's it's colorful it's evocative it will forever be davy's song Despite yep. the fact that Mike says that it belongs to us now. Mm-hmm. I, I, I give it back to Davy. Ditto. Ditto. There's really nothing more I can add about Daydream Believer. Just love it. I can't say enough good about it. So in, in order to save time, I'll just move on to track six, Writing Wrongs by Michael Nesmith. Sarah. I go through cycles on this song because I understand what Nez was trying to do. And sometimes when I listen to it, I think he got there. Other times when I listen to it, I'm like, okay, he didn't quite get where he was wanting to go. And it, it's, it's teetering on that edge between psychedelic and self-indulgent. And like which side I, he lands on really varies for me, almost depending on the day I'm listening to it. But it is um, it is a fascinating experiment, if nothing else, and it sort of presages some of um, some of the more left field things that we hear from him a little later on. Uh-huh. Christine, I would agree with that. This is Nez really dipping not just a toe but both feet into the world of non sequitur and otherworldly outside of your mind type of lyrics writing and um so yeah you have to kind of be in the right frame of mind to listen to it i think but um but i find myself in that frame more than not so Mm -hmm. i I really do enjoy it Uh since you mentioned state of mind i believe that we are in the state of mind to listen to birds the bees and the monkeys side one Let's listen to the discussion as I lift up the needle and drop it on side one.
as the stars were made for the sky. We were made for each other, no other love. Greetings once again, Zilch Nation, and welcome to the first part of our track-by-track coverage of the birds, the bees, and the monkeys. I am Jeff Hewlett, and tonight we will be covering the A-side of the original LP, containing the first six tracks, and here to help me is a crew you should all be pretty familiar with from our Monkeys on 45 coverage. That's right, the gang is all back together for the first time in a while, starting with the always insightful Melinda Gildart. Woohoo! What's up, Zilchers? Hey, hey, great to have you back. I was so excited that we're all getting back together again. The gang's back together again. This is awesome. Next up, we've got the extremely knowledgeable Mr. Jeff Garinger. Hey, hey, happy 51st, everybody. Yeah, happy 51st. And I think uh, through the rest of this, I will refer to you by Jeff G or your full name, so that way the two Jeffs don't get confused for the poor listeners out there with duped names. Rounding out the panel is the one and only Ghosty Timmers. 2017, the year of the birds, the bees, and the monkeys. Oh wow! <laughs> there you go, Ghosty. All right, so this is this is great. It's been a while since uh, we've done a roundtable. 
on any album. So uh, it's nice to get back in the saddle again now that the uh, Year of the Monkeys is over. And we're kicking it off with the fifth studio album, The Birds, the Bees, and the Monkeys, as I said before. Recorded in late 67 into early 68. Released on April 22 of 1968. So hit number three on the Billboard chart. Uh, Daydream Believer, of course, was the number one single from the album. And Valerie was also high charter. Uh, a million seller. You know, I think everybody out there in, in listener land knows a lot about the monkey, so I'm not going to read every little bit of trivia and knowledge about this. So I'll just say the record, in my mind, the record marks kind of another change uh, in the band's direction, more specifically the return to relying on studio musicians uh, instead of the boys themselves playing as a band, though um, not actually a return to the days of the first two records as uh, the monkeys themselves were running the sessions, which gave them quite a bit more of influence on the final output uh than the the early records so um, you know before we get into the tracks themselves i think it'd be good to go around the horn here and talk about our overall feelings on the album i know from talking to friends of mine over the years it's kind of a polarizing record and uh where it falls in your particular monkeys catalog and i'll i'll, I'll put myself out there and I will say that uh, I've been waiting a very long time for the discussion, as this is actually my personal favorite Monkeys album. And I'll qualify that by saying that in my world, the word favorite and the word, word best are not the same thing. And uh, so I'm not saying BBM is necessarily better than other Monkeys albums, but it's the one I enjoy listening to uh, the most. So. Uh, why is that? I mean, I, I guess, well, you know what, why don't we start going around the horn and some of my thoughts will come out. I don't want to trump the conversation here. So why don't we throw the mic over to Melinda? How do you feel overall about this album? Where does it fall in your catalog? Overall, I mean, for the most part, this is the first Monkeys album that I listened to that I did mm. not immediately fall in love with. Wow. So that was a little scary because I was on, you know, just just the fast track when I originally dove into, you know, all the music way, way, way after everyone else um, on the panel here. And when I got to BBM, I'm like, mm, that was strange. Um, so it's it wasn't it didn't catch me initially as as being a great album. It's definitely gained some momentum over the last few years for me, but I still rank it well below uh, you know obviously Pisces and headquarters and head and I even rank it lower than instant replay wow wow well I'll confess it wasn't always my favorite monkeys album but uh, the handmade box that came out in 2010 really sent this one up to my my top spot I think it feels like it takes such a, makes such great use of the stereo space. There's such great, incredible, lush soundscapes that are just a real, a real joy to listen to. Um, Jeff Garinger, what's your overall thoughts and where does this album rank for you? Well, I like the album a lot. My biggest complaint is that it, I think this is the Monkey's schizophrenic album. Mm. You know, so. one song has nothing to do with the other. There's no mm -hmm. theme. There's no cohesiveness. The only mm -hmm. song of the album that all four guys perform on is daydream believer yeah which is one of their masterpieces so for me i it's not a bad album i mean it's not my favorite but it you know it's it's got some great tunes and some great soundtrack tunes i think that's something that i, I look forward to there's songs that are featured on the television show uh that brings me more happiness uh than if it's just on the album you know i i kind of look at these things two ways you know since i'm a first generation fan i remember getting this album 
and starting the first track and going, hey, it's a monkey song. And then as it goes on, going, holy cow. <laughs> but uh, I like it. I'd probably put it, you know, I'd, I'd put the monkey's debut album and headquarters and Pisces above it. But I like it. All right. Cool. I, uh, I, I really, another thing I really love about this, I, I feel like the arrangement and they come to, they feel like the arrangements of the album, the songs come to life on the, the, the handmade set. And Mike Nesmith has some fantastic lyrical contributions to this album that are markedly different than a lot of his songs on other albums. So, uh, ghosty, let's get around to you, your overall thoughts on birds, bees and the monkeys. Well, I like every original monkeys album from the sixties. There's not one where I say, I can't listen to this. I just don't enjoy it. I like them all. So I'm easy to please. Hmm. However, there is this feeling that this is a poor man's Pisces. Interesting. And I have a feeling that some of this could have been saved and we'd have a better, and like Jeff uh, G was saying, a more cohesive record if the sequencing of the tracks was a little better. Hmm. It does seem to leap from one extreme to another. Yeah. I don't think that uh, a, I don't think song for song this is as strong as as Pisces, and I don't think it's as strong actually as Instant Replay to be honest. But hmm. I Thank think you, with Gopi. some well, there you go, Melinda. <laughs> I'm in your corner. I I think with some uh, some substitutions, which maybe we'll talk about later, this could have been the last of the great. TV soundtrack albums. Yeah, good point. Good point. Uh, and you know, I'll, I'll I'll throw back to my you know favorite does not always equal best. So I I wouldn't necessarily say that this was the best Monkeys album in my mind, but you know, as far oh, as yeah. favorites to listen to, uh, it's 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 really high up there for me. So uh, any any other thoughts uh, on this record as a whole, uh, where it falls for you before we start going into the track by track analysis? Anyone? No, let's get to well, the fun just- part. All right. Well, just just oh. one thing. I just want to footnote my comment about it. I rank it lower than Instant Replay. Instant Replay is number five, tied with Good Times on my all-time best list. Wow. So BBM is like number six. So it's not at the bottom, so everybody don't freak out. But it's <laughs> definitely <laughs> the worst of the 60s albums. Well, let me just say that Instant Replay is my number one favorite <laughs> Monkeys wow. album. But I don't think it's their best, but it's my favorite. Much like Jeff H.'s you know, lo- loving this record in comparison with the other ones. Yeah, right. uh, that's that's something I really love about having these conversations that we can uh, we can talk about uh, what we think about the the quality versus what our favorites are, and it, it makes for a very interesting listen. So, uh, so let's jump into the actual tracks themselves. There's so much to to get into, and you know, as we we did on other um, track by track analyses, we talked through you know the statistics and things and uh, about the track, but there's so many contributions from so many people on a lot of these songs i i don't feel like i need to read who played every single instrument but this song first track up is dream world written by davy jones and steve pitts with davy of course as the lead vocal
this track features so many different instruments um, played by so many different people. There's guitars, harpsichords, bass, drums, percussion, violins, cellos, trumpets, trombones, French horns. Uh, so, so many things on this record. It was recorded uh, Western Recorder Studio 2 in Hollywood, California on February 6th of 68 and February 8th of 1968. So let's go around the horn and get some thoughts on Davy Jones' uh, Davey track on this album. Uh, Jeff Garinger, you're up first. Oh, thank you very much. To me, this song, when I first heard it, it was a sigh of relief. I was a kid and had scared the crap out of me. <laughs> and so when I heard this and I heard Dream World, I'm going, that is a monkey's album. That's a monkey song. Mm-hmm. I think it's unique for a couple reasons. One, to my knowledge, it was the first time Davey had uh, writing credits on a monkey's album. Mm-hmm. If anyone wants to correct me, I'm, I'm open. Um, Hard to and believe. also, <laughs> oh, that's Hard right. To believe. <laughs> that's right. Thank you, Melinda. <laughs> um, another thing that's cool about it, and I think it's kind of a, an unsung hero of this album is the arranger Shorty Rogers. Yep. If you if you're not a um, uh, if you don't know about Shorty Rogers, he was a tremendous horn player and a great arranger and he did a lot of the tracks on this album including Daydream Believer. He's the arranger on Daydream Believer. So, I think his assistance especially on the Davy tracks is really first rate here. I would I would definitely agree and I I really I love the lyric to this song. I think it tells a very interesting story. I, I love that Davey is trying to convince someone to come out of their shell and into a, a different reality. I think all of us can probably say we know someone who kind of lives in their own headspace and you have to kind of coax them out. Ghosty, uh, what are your thoughts on Dream World? Well, much like Hard to Believe, a pleasant song, but not my choice for an album opener. Hmm. Uh, it's It's a nice enough song, but... For me, it's sort of unremarkable. Uh, in fact, on my ultimate Birds, Bees, and the Monkeys uh, fantasy playlist, it's not on it. I've relegated this to B-side status. So I like it, but I don't think as an as a opening track, it serves the album well. In fact, I would have put Tapioca Tundra as the opening track because then you would have had the trifecta of three count-ins on three albums going from <laughs> headquarters salesman to tapioca tundra it's a great idea i think i'm going to try to make that playlist here after right, call, we're done and listen to it call that jeopardy now there's a jeopardy question for a hundred dollars yeah <laughs> right Jeez. the countins oh man i remember when i first threw the head the handmade disc one in and i put my my good headphones on and and this song spun up and I had been so used to listening to it on um, you know, from other recordings that I had. I was really surprised at how much the uh, the handmade version brought out, and and how much I could hear low down in the mix, and how the you know the strings are mixed in the left, and the horns kind of come in on the right. And it, there's just a lot to process here, and a lot of subtlety. Melinda, what are your thoughts on Dream World? Um, so it's funny that you listed out just all the instruments that appear on this track, and that's just representation of the entire album. I think mm-hmm. every session player in the country is literally <laughs> on this record. You know, between the originally released uh, vinyl album and the bonus tracks, literally there's there's a wrecking crew, the candy mm-hmm. store profits, you have Shorty Rogers, orchestra. I think everybody's on here except the Funk Brothers from Motown. <laughs> and it's just it's just so much going on. But then 
you put the album on and dream world comes on and i'm like mm, nah, they, really that's that's the album opener it's so underwhelming for me wow. and i am just not impressed and so i i totally agree with uh, what ghosty said it's just it, it would not have been on the album that i would have selected and b-side maybe it's just it's it's flat it's just nothing nothing special about it at all it's just a basic very generic track wow i'm, I'm gutted <laughs> i'm gutted actually i adore this song i i really love it i never it never occurred to me that it was a, a not a great opener i guess i i guess i never really thought about it that way um i can see your points though uh there definitely could be better openers for the album and maybe it doesn't uh doesn't lead us in very well especially as some of the other content uh that follows it but i'm a, I'm a big fan of this song like i said i adore the, the lyric i i to me, this is one of my one of my I wouldn't say top Davy songs, but it's definitely up there for me. I, I really enjoy it. I, I I love his vocal on this. And uh, anybody else have any final thoughts on Dream World uh, before we move on? Any other thoughts? Mediocre. <laughs> okay. Well, you know what? We're moving on then. All we're right. Well, on, Mo- Melinda and I are going to form a, a little team here. I think as we go through right. this album, oh, we man. might be on this. I'll say this: in this day and age where people don't listen to albums from start to finish yep. who cares you know people hear it in never in whatever order they want to hear it now that's true you know it's funny though for me this album is an album that i always listen to from start to finish this is not one of the ones i'll shuffle around with other stuff i actually have a well i'll, I'll save this for later because there is one one criticism that i will levy at this album in a little while but um and i'll, I'll kind of throw the cards down then but so we're, we'll move on to track number two which is entitled Auntie's Municipal Court, written by Mike Nesmith and Keith Allison, lead vocal by Mickey Dolenz. Uh, a lot less players on this album. So we've got harmony vocals and percussion by Mr. Mike Nesmith, backing vocals by Mike Nesmith, Bill Chadwick, and another unknown, uncredited person, electric guitar by Mr. Nesmith, Keith Allison and Bill Chadwick, bass by Richard Day, drums by the famous Eddie Ho, recorded January 6th, 15th and 16th of 1968. I think, believe the mono version of this album has a bit of a different mix of this track. Uh, let's see. Let's start off with Ghosty this time around. I love this song. It's funny you list that mammoth roster of musicians on this track, and all I can think of, there's that monkey sound <laughs> that I wasn't getting on Dream World. I love the, I love the idea of Mickey singing a Mike song. Yeah, there's just something special about that. And this is a really cool breeze, mellow country rock tune. Mickey nails it. The song is just great. And to me, it's like night and day from Dream World. I, I absolutely love this cut. Absolutely. I agree with you completely. Uh, Melinda, How? what do you feel? Do you agree with Ghosty and I? Absolutely. Nice. Where's... Door into summer with you know the Mickey and Mike 
harmony and then we get Andy's Municipal Court is just it's just a continuation of that it's it's such a fabulous track in the mono mix absolutely it it just it punches you in the face the guitars (laughs) you know they're just you know out there you feel like you're just right in the middle of a room with Mike and Keith Allison and Bill Chadwick all playing guitars right around you it's just so magnificent if you guys do not own the mono album Please go on YouTube and listen to it because this version, the model mix of of AM Core is phenomenal. definitely blows the stereo version away but even the stereo version is is amazing it really really is it's one of my favorite monkey songs ever actually i have that in my notes to say the same thing it is one of my favorite monkey songs of all time (laughs) i think the guitar there we go that is absolutely gorgeous oh my goodness you slap those headphones on and just try to follow along with any one of the guitar lines and this is just there's so much going on it's so layered and so beautiful and i love that we get that playful mickey dolan's at the end kind of Mm -hmm. harkens back to the mickey on the show doing some funny little sounding riffs on the way out um jeff garinger your thoughts on auntie's musical chord are you gonna break the the love fest here no but i I don't think i'm gonna buy a dozen roses maybe a couple (laughs) (laughs) i I like the song i think it's actually it's a nice jumping off point for what you're going to be hearing from nez later on on the album yeah good point I, i think it's kind of a nice connection there and as we learned with me and Magdalena, Michael and Mickey singing harmony together, oh, mm-hmm. just wonderful, right. just wonderful. And I must say, another Nez composition where there ain't no Antis Municipal Court anywhere in the damn lyrics. Yes, of course. <laughs> just, just to throw us off. Yeah, one wonders what the title means. Well, with Nez, hell, who, I don't know. <laughs> Could have been anything. 
<laughs> but no, I, I like it. It's not one of my top five monkey songs, but I, I, I do like it. And I think it's a nice position, like I said, to see what's going to be happening in the next couple tracks. Yeah, I definitely agree. Definitely agree with that. Anybody have any other thoughts before we move on to our, our next Davy Jones track here? Mm-hmm. No? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. Oh boy! Well, all right, now we've got to really have to move on to track you're gonna, number three. You're gonna have Melinda and I in opposite corners. Watch this. Okay, wait a minute. Well, I wonder. Oh my! What? I'm trying to predict where everyone's gonna fall on this. Uh, okay, so track three on Birds, Bees, and the Monkeys is a Davy Jones lead vocal. We were made for each other, written by Carol Bayer. I hope it's Sager. I'm not Sager. sure. Sager. 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 Always yep. mess that up. She was and, married to Burt Bacharach. They wrote That's What Friends Are For together um, and all right. The Best That You Can Do from Arthur, and she's a great songwriter. All right. Yep. Yeah. So, and jo- a guy by the name of George Fishoff. We were made for each other as the stars were made for the sky. We were made for each other, no other love. God, this is another one of those tracks that has a ton of players on it. So you've got guitars, harpsichords, bass, drums, percussion, mallet, violin, cello, trumpet, trombone, French horn, and another arrangement by Shorty Rogers. So, uh, interesting side note, this was intended for inclusion on Pisces, but didn't make the record. So, recorded February 6th, 7th, and 9th of 1968. So let's see here. Uh, I'll throw out a couple little things. I I love the harpsichord on this. Michael, uh, I can't, I don't know how to pronounce his name either. Uh, Michael Melvoin. Melvoin. Yeah, Uh, Definitely my hero on this track. I love how that the the harpsichord just go mingles around in the background and kind of it adds a beautiful whimsical tone uh, to the song in my mind. So since Melinda was groaning. (laughs) I'm gonna throw the mic to her first. I I I really enjoy this song, and I'll, I'll do a big confession here, but I'm not gonna actually do this on the recording. Whenever I hear this song, I always sing along with it in my Davy Jones impression. I just can't help myself. Melinda, go ahead. Oh, poor thing. <laughs> this, is, this is such a bad song. No, no, gut it again. It's so horrible. And I, I'm so sad that Michael Melvoin played on this because for all of you who don't know, Michael Melvoin is the father of Wendy Melvoin, who was the That's longtime right. guitarist for uh, Prince in the Revolution. Nice. And so for him to be associated with this record. Yeah, oh but that goodness. harpsichord is so good. It's so well played. But it, it's not enough to make me forget the rest. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's, man. It's, uh, it's so bad. It's oh, so, so bad. So you know, it. If we absolutely had to have a, a really sweet Davy song on here, we could have put It's Nice to Be With You on here. That's a much better track. That is a good track, too. I do agree with you. Uh, would, would me doing my Davy impression help? Let's let's hear it. No, no, no. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Jeff, that Jeff, 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 come on. <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, that was the other Jeff. Jeff Garriger, go ahead. You're up next. Melinda All wants right. to hear let, if you're in opposite corners. Let the referee hit the bell. Bing, round Bing. two. I love this song. Yes. <laughs> it is so it is so sweet. It's it so sing-alongy. It's just it's simple, it's innocent, 
it 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 makes me happy. It sounds like a monkey song. I, I, I just I think this is a great tune. I like it's nice to be with you better, me but too. that's not that's not an option. I just I, I I just think Davey comes across great, and from a male fan who was eight years old, that yeah, was just an awesome awesome cut. So there. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much. I, 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 you know, this was thinking back to young me when I first started to get into the monkeys, this was one of the Davy Jones, you know, quote unquote, slowy love songs that I didn't hate. Like I just, I always had an aversion to some of the other ones. And when I heard this one, I just, I loved it. So I, I think I got attached to my, uh, attached to it very early on in my younger monkeys years. So who's was like, Oh, ghosty. Yeah. Tiebreaker well, or, t- uh, going to make a, I think I think we're going to have a tie. I'm going to side with Melinda again here. Oh, I man. I don't think I don't think this is appallingly bad, but it sort of sounds like the theme to an ABC after school special. <laughs> wow. S- something like um you know Fern has a secret. Right. <laughs> Coach gave me uppers. You know something wow. like that. You know, I imagine this '70s pastoral scene, and I I like it about as much as I like Dream World, <laughs> which is to say, it's wow. and it sounds like I'm beating up on Davy. I am a Davy booster. I've stood up for the day we fall in love, but that has some kitsch value that this unfortunately does not. Wow! wow. There you have it, folks. The day we fall in love over, we were made for each other. I never thought I would ever hear that. I may be the only person. Well, the only person. This is where the Zilch Nation must be a tiebreaker for us. So uh, when you when after you hear this discussion, post and let us know. We'll do a tally and see where the where the votes shake out. Uh, we were made for each other since we're a fifty fifty split down the middle here. But uh, I th- I'm I'm thinking we'll be a little more aligned. On, on track four, I'm hoping anyway. So this is Tapioca Tundra, written by Mr. Nesmith himself. Sunshine, ragtime, blowing in the breeze. Good night, looks right, standing bodies. Silhouette, sad, the ears stay close to what he had to say. And one more time, repeated dream, sad, divine. It cannot be a part of me, for now it's part of you. Lead vocal, he does a lot of on this track too. Lead vocals, whistle, electric and acoustic guitars, and percussion by Mike Nesbitt, drums by the famous Eddie Ho, and um, recorded November 11th, 18th, and 1967 in Hollywood, California. This, to me, is one of my absolute favorite Mike Nesmith songs, and this actually is one of the reasons why I took to this album so much, is it's kind of got like a prog rock sort of feel to it. It makes me kind of, I'm a, I've said on the show before, I'm a big Pink Floyd fan, so uh, this kind of felt more, you know, progressive to me. Kind of felt like a different direction uh, for Nesmith songs. I love the the the, the moving bass line is great. The the layered guitars, just gorgeous nuance arrangement, and I love the lyrics that just paint such an incredible image. And oh, I'll, I'll shut up now, Jeff Garringer. Well, boy, did I turn around on this song. Um, when I was a kid, I didn't like it at all. 
but I have to tell you, after Mike Nesma's solo acoustic performance at the Pantages, and Melinda, you were there. Oh, yeah. My God. Uh, this song just went to my top five monkey songs of all time. It's, wow. It, yeah. it's, it was so incredible. And, and to, to watch his eyes and watch him tear up and uh, listen, it, it was just amazing. And I had such a new appreciation for this song and what the lyrics were. Because usually it was just kind of a fun song. You'd dance around and bop around to it. You know, one of Nez's weird things. But boy, the, the memory of him at the Pantages just makes this song and recording so, so special. Oh uh-huh. 
Amazing. Uh, so why don't we just continue on, Melinda, since you, you witnessed it as well? There are no words, really. Uh, I mean, you hear the, the release track, and to see him performing in person, he, he pretty much made love to the audience to this song. <laughs> <laughs> he really did. And it just tore at your heart. And, oh, my goodness, I could picture, you know, every visual, every, every word that he, he sang. And I can just hear it over and over in my head. I will never forget it. Uh, but the album track is just so special also. It's just remarkable that you can have, you know, two completely different versions of the same song that are both amazing. Usually, mm. you know, I dislike one or the other, but I love both. But the, the recorded track, you know, with the Latin theme and and it starts off like maybe a hank williams <laughs> song <laughs> or or a glenn campbell song and then it just r totally starts rocking out and i love the guitar riff that comes in and it's just it's amazing track yeah i i, I agree ghosty where do you fall on tapioca tundra i love this song nice. and the first time i heard it was not on this album but on the yeah. 1985 compilation uh the monkey's hit factory which was uh pair records and I, of course, I had no idea what the context was, and I loved it right from the get-go. Everything about this, you know, I like the little funny effect on Mike's voice, you know, like he's speaking through a through some kind of old-time radio or something. I like the whistling, I like the breakdown, I like everything that's a little offbeat about this song. And the fact that we did get to hear it in an entirely different way when Michael played it on his last live show with the monkeys. I loved it before. I had no idea what the lyrics were about until that moment, until I saw that video and heard him sing it acoustically. And I thought, Whoa, that's what this is about. Well, now I love it even more. 
So this is definitely, I, this might actually be my favorite cut on the, on the album. And that little guitar riff that Melinda mentioned, I love that too, because that's like a nod to the birds. Like if you listen to the beginning yeah, of yeah. I'll Feel a Whole Lot Better, it's basically the same thing. It's just a really, really cool track. Nice, nice. Hey, we're four for four on this one. So uh, All right. But everybody ready to move on to Daydream Believer? Any other thoughts on Tapioca Tundra? Ghosty mentioned the vocal. It reminded me of the alternate mix of Door to Summer, where nice, uh, yeah. I think the liner notes and listen to the band box set mentions that Mike recorded it from the bathroom. <laughs> so it, it does. It sounds like he's in the bathroom stall, but it's it's really cool, though. No, I do was, agree. Was he in the sitting position? Oh, that's just too much information. <laughs> the stall door closed or open? Just, just so you know. I Am said, I going to segue to Daydream Believer after that? <laughs> just, wait, just so everyone knows, I said sitting Okay, go ahead. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Yes, we are going to segue to Dream Believer uh, after that. So fifth track on the album and uh, number one single, Daydream Believer, written by John Stewart. Of course, lead vocals by Davy Jones, harmony vocals by Mickey Dolan's electric guitar by Michael Nesmith, piano by Peter Tork. Let's see. God, there's so many more uh, instruments, bells, drums, violins, trumpets, piccolo, trombone bass trombone and another arrangement of course by shorty rogers uh recorded june 14 67 and uh, august 9th 67 so the single was issued on october 25th of 67 and this uh, song was used in several episodes of the show art for monkey's sake monkey's maroon a coffin too frequent and hitting the high seas and also it is the song that gave birth to the zilch podcast intros that everyone has listened to uh, for a long time now. 7A. What number is this, Chip? 7A. <laughs> okay, don't, mean it. don't get excited, man. It's because I'm short, I know. Cheer up, sleepy Jean. Oh, what can it mean to a daydream believer and a homecoming queen? I honestly, I have no idea how to really begin talking about what is probably the most iconic Davy Jones song. So um, I, I will say, though, that the when I, and this is another one of the things that when I heard this on the Handmade box, I was just blown away by how much was going on in such a simple arrangement. There's so many little details in the background of this song that are kind of lower down in the mix. I was just, my, my mind was blown by it. Um, Ghosty... What are your thoughts on Daydream Believer? Anyone who dislikes this song <laughs> hates life. Yeah. Because <laughs> right. this is the most joyous expression of being alive. There are songs every once in a while that just come across as pure, innocent joy. Mm. And there's a comp even though the lyrics are a bit on the flower power side, there's just a lack of pretension in this song it's so charming it's so catchy written by the great uh, john stewart uh, of the kingston trio fame and his you know even though davy goes i think a little flat in spots <gasps> i'm uh -oh. sorry he Gasp. does that's fine it's fine it's charming <laughs> everything about this song is charming so I, I, you know, what can you say? It's 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 an anthem. You know, it's it's 
it closes every monkey show now, or almost every monkey show. I mean, it's just it's just a perfect little pop song. Completely agree. I don't, I don't know if I could sum it up any better than that. Uh, Melinda, you want to give it a try? I agreed until Ghosty said that day went flat. <laughs> <laughs> he goes a little flat. He does, but it's okay. He's trying. This is the most perfect record ever recorded. <laughs> From the vocals to Peter's piano, it's just—it's perfect in every way, shape, or form. Until they mess with it in 1986, but it's oh no, perfect. we won't go there. <laughs> but it's curse absolute... you, Clive Davis! Curse you and the world you owed in on. <laughs> but it's absolutely beautiful. It took two years after Davy passed away for me to actually stop crying every time I heard this record. Mm. But now I just smile. And my 16-year-old, you know, if he walks by and he hears me playing it, he will sing along. He won't think, you know, he doesn't think I hear him. But, you know, but I I do hear him because, like you said, Ghosty, no one can dislike this record. It's just perfect. Yep. I I absolutely agree. How about you, Jeff G? Well, you know, this is the tour de force of Davy Jones. It's, it's. It was a hit for him in 67, and, you know, he sang the heart out of the song in concert until he passed away. It was, it was never done in rote. He never just threw it away like a lot of performers do. And I have to tell you, when they got back together after Davy's passing and Mike joined them, and they used to let the audience, and they would make the statement that, you know, the song no longer belongs to us, it belongs to you. Mm. And the audience got to sing on the chorus. Oh, how wonderful was that? How sentimental and how, how sweet. Another thing I like about it, it's one of the few tracks, in fact, the only track on this album, that all four guys are performing on. Right. Mickey, yep. Mickey and Davey yeah. are vocals and Peter and piano and Mike and guitar. And, and so it's a complete monkey's effort. And I think it's, you know, toss a coin between this and I'm a believer as their best record. Yeah. Yeah, good point. And you know, one one memory that that jumps to my mind about this song. This is a very recent memory. Is when I saw the um, the fiftieth anniversary tour last year in Red Bank, New Jersey. The energy, the, the the crowd literally erupted from their seats when this came on. We're dancing in the aisles and singing along, and it was just goes to show how much Monkees fans and and everybody loves this song. And I think Ghosty said it the best. I mean. I don't think there was a, a, a person in that auditorium that was not singing along and moving in their seats to this track. And since Davy has passed away, this song resonates in a way that yeah. it hadn't before. It was always totally. a wonderful song and a great single. Now it's a special song. Absolutely. Yes. D- Davy lives on in this song. I yep. Think. I think that it's interesting to note. I was, uh, I'm an avid fan of Law and Order, Special Victims Unit. Oh, me and too. <laughs> I think uh, last season or the season before, they actually had this song going. It was a female vocalist, but it was a song, Daydream Believer, and it was uh, in a scene where there was a serial killer actually kidnapping a woman and oh. actually about to murder her. I just thought that was funny and ironic that they were playing this song that's so sweet and so loving as a backdrop to a serial mm-hmm. killing. But that just shows you how far we've come with the use of this song in, yeah, in pop really. culture. Well, I'm glad it wasn't the original version. It was a, a, a cover version. <laughs> right. Yes, I wouldn't want this tainted. No, no. <laughs> Please, God, no. But, they you know, actually... if, you've, if, ahead, you've ever heard the, if you've ever heard the John Stewart version, it is so dramatically different from this. Hmm. You know, it yes. really gives you a hats off for 
for what the producers and the guys and the monkeys put together to make Daydream Believer come out of the little, you know, country folk thing that John Stewart did. Yeah, I have to seek that out. I, I don't I haven't, I haven't heard that version of the song. I'm sure it's out there somewhere on the iTunes or something. I'll bet the Podfather has it and he'll play it now. <laughs> If I could hide beneath the wings of the bluebird as she sings, the six o'clock alarm would never ring, but it rings and I rise to rub the sleep out of my eyes. The shaving razor's old and it stings. Cheer up, sleepy Jean Ah, what can it mean To a daydream believer And a homecoming queen You once thought of me As a white knight on his steed But now you know how funky I can be Thanks, There's Ken. a cue for you. There you go. <laughs> Thanks for playing that, Ken. I feel a little bit better now. Uh, anybody, anything else to say about Daydream Believer? I mean, I'm sure we could all talk ad nauseum about this song. 
It's just, oh my God, why did they stop working together? <laughs> I know, right? I know, right? So, all right, well, next song is the final song uh, on this side of the LP. It is track number six, Writing Wrongs, written by Michael Nesmith. one of the Nesmith tracks where he does quite a lot of the, uh, the, the vocals and the uh, instrumentation, electric guitar, organ, and piano, bass by Richard Day, drums by Eddie Ho, recorded in Hollywood, California, December 3rd of 67. Melinda, you want to take the, the lead on this one? This song is very polarizing among it Monkey's is. fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, you either love it or hate it. I happen to love it. I happen to love it, but I will never listen to it on my phone. I will never listen Hmm. to it on CD. This is a song that you have to listen to on vinyl. You have to, you have to put the vinyl on. You have to turn on your lava lamp. You have to dim the lights, put your (laughs) shades on and have an adult beverage at hand (laughs) to be able to listen and appreciate this song. But it is so amazing. It's so challenging yeah. um i love the the jazzy instrumental break but i really love the moody beginning and endings yeah you know with the church organ in the background and and nez just going going at it like a mad pianist i mean he's just phenomenal on this track it's it's so groundbreaking i just i love it but literally it's something that i have to be at home and you know put the album on and just really get into a zone you know to appreciate Hmm. You know, I'll I'll jump in here and say that I agree with you. I also really love this song, and I I love the the message, the lyrics, what it's what it's talking about. I feel like the the social commentary in this track is still quite relevant today. Um, not to get political, of course, on the show, but I feel like you know th- this song kind of addresses. Um, you know, people who make things up and be- or believe things and and propagate rumors and. I know this is more specifically about someone writing letters to somebody else, but uh, I, I love the concept and the fact that Nez kind of had something to say and, and wrote right. a song about it. So, um, Jeff Geringer, your thoughts? Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't love the song. I don't hate the song. I'm kind of ambivalent. It was one of those songs that as a kid, it got me off the floor over to the record player to skip. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I, I don't hate it. I certainly, and I love the jazz part because I'm a jazz fan and I love the jazz in the middle. Yep. But it, it, it was, it was to me, Nes trying to be 
experimental and and you know it's like what the hell was he smoking when he did this it's <laughs> it's just so out there yeah. so it's okay you know it's it's in the middle for me but mm. i think you know a lot of the the nez tracks on this album are starkly different than things we've heard from him before and a lot of the things we heard from him after this so um maybe it was in that just that experimental mood at the time ghosty what are your thoughts on writing wrongs i love it nice. i absolutely love it when <laughs> I first heard this album in full. It would have been in, I, I guess, the late 80s, early 90s. And around that time, I was listening to Pink Floyd's Saucer Full of Secrets oh, and nice. uh, all sorts of bizarre, <laughs> you know, non-pop kind of music. And this song, Writing Wrongs, really fit in with that listening experience you don't need to take any drug um, to, <laughs> to get high listening to this song. Are you sure? Is, Are you I really sure? Yeah, you know, I live I, in California and it's legal here. You can say it's okay. Right. I can tell you that listening to this track just puts you in a very obtuse frame of mind. <laughs> and I, I love it. And on my fantasy version, uh, this is the album closer. You know that's a good that's a good thought. This could make a really good closer. Yeah, uh, yeah. Maybe we'll, we'll do a comparison between this as a closer and when we get to the actual closer of the album and see uh, where right. everybody falls on what their opinion is of whether the original closer or this would have been a better one. Um, all right. So, any final thoughts on writing wrongs? I'm surprised that this wasn't as polarizing as I thought it was going to be, or Melinda thought it was going to be. Yeah, I'm in a corner above one. <laughs> and, you, and you're not even that far in that opposite corner. You're kind of ambivalent, so you're yeah. kind of in the middle. So all of us are on the, the love it side, and you're in the middle. So interesting, because I've had many discussions with, with monkey fan friends of mine who absolutely loathe this song. So I was yeah. expecting one of us to be on that camp. Is it the longest monkey's cut at five minutes and eight seconds? I think Shorty Black will, maybe. Oh, oh, right. oh, well, let me say this. I like writing wrongs much more than I like Shorty Blackwell. I'm with you. Me too. I am yeah. not a Shorty fan. No. Me neither. <laughs> wow, wow. Look at this. Heads oh. are going to roll. Oh, my God. A good thing this episode is over. We can go hide now. <laughs> let, let this you blow imagine over. imagine how much studio time Shorty Blackwell cost them? Good yeah. Lord. Oh, man. Well, I will, we'll, now that we're back on our com uh, our album discussions, we'll get to Shorty Blackwell pretty soon, I think. Um at least sometime this year we'll get there. So uh, this will be an interesting conversation. Pause that for Zilch fans out there. So <laughs> now that we're at the end of side one, we talked through the first six tracks in the album. What are our final thoughts on side one as a whole? Uh, let's throw that one to Jeff Geringer first. Well, it certainly is a cornucopia. You like my big word? Yeah. Um, <laughs> of different styles and performances. And, you know, all that's missing is a Peter track which I, I always miss on the later albums. It's it's certainly unique. Yeah, I agree. Well, speaking of Peter tracks, I mean, there there were some candidates that didn't wind up making it on the album. I guess probably what yeah. Lady's Baby is probably the most well-known of the tracks that didn't make it. Ghosty, do you think it should have been on the album? I think Peter should have been represented. I, believe me, we could have lost We Were Made for Each Other in the world, and I could have taken, no offense, Jeff, I could have taken a Peter cut. I mean, oh, there's, a, there's a lot of Davey on this record. I could have, we could have had uh, a Peter cut on there, at least Alvin or something. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I'll take Alvin over Ladies Baby. Good Lord. How many versions <laughs> of that did they do? Oh, 
man. At some point, there needed to be an intervention. Someone should have said, you know, set something up and said, you know what? Don't do anything else. (laughs) Just leave it alone. You know what, though? Sit in the corner going, Charlie Blackwell, Charlie Blackwell, (laughs) be friends with me. The hairs on the back of my neck are standing up. (laughs) Let me, I'm I'm the ladies' baby booster. I, I love that song. Interesting. Yeah, I yeah. I really enjoy. It. I like come on in too. I, I like uh, people. I like come I, on I, in. I like come on in. I like I come on in. Yeah. So well, we are we're gonna tip the cards too. We are gonna start doing some of the uh, the unreleased tracks. So we're gonna hit those up when we're done doing the regular roundtables for the the rest of the album. So uh, stay tuned out there for that. But so we have come to the end of this part of our birds, the bees, and the monkeys roundtable conversation. We'd love to hear, of course, what you guys out there have to say, including uh, our heads rolling over the Shorty Blackwell discussion <laughs> we just had. <laughs> We're all prepared for that one. But uh, thank you to my guest panel here tonight, and uh, we're going to be coming back for part two here really soon. But thanks for being here, Melinda. We, we love talking with you. As always, thank you for having me. Uh, Mr. Geringer, always a pleasure. Shorty Blackwell. Oh, Blackwell. We have to go out on that. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, Ghosty, always, always fun to have you on the show. Be friends with me. <laughs> and you we're out. killing me. <laughs> we're out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'd like to thank Jeff. Jeff, Ghosty, and Melinda for that wonderful roundtable on side one. Excellent discussion. Really enjoyed it. You know, you cannot look at this album and not have it framed by what came before it. And I'm not speaking Mm -hmm. of just what they did as a band, but what was going on culturally. This is a post-Sgt. Pepper's album. Yep. And it's interesting that as we are recording this, Sgt. Pepper's is ready to come out with a new deluxe box set and there's some songs in here that kind of relate to that and it's it's interesting everything from what's coming on side two with the poster and uh it's it's just interesting and of course we remember seeing the monkeys carrying sergeant peppers across the courtyard in the one episode it's a nice place to visit so right Mm -hmm. it's just interesting to listen to this album coming off of that and the album cover was kind of psychedelic if you will so we hope you enjoyed the discussion of side one and i'd like to thank sarah and christine for taking a trip with me as we listen to this today we will be back very soon with side two of birds the bees and the monkeys sound good sarah sounds excellent okay christine you ready for that i'm i'm ready but you know can could i have a spot of tea Sure. Yeah, I wouldn't mind a second glass myself. Uh-huh. I'm quite prepared for that eventuality. You know, I got this from Dr. Robert. He's very good. Mm. Mm-hmm. The good doctor. We will see you. Bye-bye. 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 See you on the next we'll zilch. see in the sky with diamonds. <laughs> and cakes Oh what good things mother makes You've got to take tea Won't you take it with me What a gay time it will be Cups and cakes 
cups and cakes Please make sure that nothing breaks The china's so dear and the treacle's so clear And I'm glad that you are here Milk and sugar, bread and jam Yes, please, sir, and thank you, man Here I am Cops and cakes, cops and cakes I'm so full, my tummy aches How sad it must end, but I'm glad I'd a friend Sharing cups and cakes with me And cakes with me And that's our show. Zilch is an online, non-profit Monkeys audio fanzine made by fans for fans. Any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners. We are not related to the Monkees or any of their members past or present. We are not affiliated with Rhino or Ray Burke. If you hear anything you like from the band, go on Amazon or iTunes and buy it. If you enjoyed the show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying always take some time to monkey around. Hi, I'm Ken Mills. And I'm Courtney Cronin-Dold. And we're from... Pop! A pop culture podcast. Courtney, what do we talk about on Pop? We talk about everything from the love boat to the billion dollar person. <laughs> I can't believe I said that. I, you know, I guess it's with inflation. The six million dollar man is worth what? How many trillion now, right? The million dollar person. I mean, what the f***? That's a great, that's my favorite show, is The Million Dollar Person. If you love pop culture and you love having fun, that's really what the show's about, having fun and pop culture. Join the conversation. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash pop podcast. Find us on iTunes or at poppodcast.blogspot.com. You can find us on Instagram at poppodcast, P-O-P. P-O-D-C-A-S-T. I'm not hip enough for Instagram. (laughs) Oh! Hot. Hot. What's this? We Want the Monkeys podcast is on Zilch. Hello, America. This is Dave the Avon Lady. What you are hearing is correct. We Want the Monkeys, your second favorite Monkeys podcast, is joining Zilch. This mega merger of epic proportions will rock the monkey world down to its very core. Soon, you will be able to enjoy the history of the monkeys on Zilch. You have been listening to We Want the Monkeys on iTunes. Now you can hear it right here. Hashtag. Zilch Nation for life. Hi, I'm Megan from Same Page Cast. And I'm Craig from Same Page Cast. Hey, Craig, where do you yes. go when you want to hear the latest monkeys news? Oh, come on, I go to Zilch. Of course, Zilch. And if you're looking for even more monkeys content, you can find us at Same Page Cast on the Pods and Sods Network at iTunes. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Hello, Skywalkers. 
Hey, hey, Zilch Nation! Are you looking for a fun-filled Star Wars and Disney podcast? Well, if you answered yes, then join me, Richard Woloski, and my sweetie wife Sarah on Skywalking Through Neverland. We are the family-friendly Star Wars and Disney podcast that brings you entertaining stories from creators and fans. And we're also big monkey fans, too, so of course we have to slip in some monkey stories and interviews like our discussion with director James Frawley. We also would go to the beach, for example, with the four boys, and I would just say, okay, roll down the hill. (laughs) Do a funny walk. Did you create the monkey walk? Yeah, I mean, we did it together. You can hear us every week. We are Skywalking Through Neverland, wherever podcasts are played, and at skywalkingthroughneverland.com. We look forward to having you in our Skywalker family. And always remember, Neverland on Alderaan. Or Mammoth Studios. I get that now. (laughs) Hi, Zilch fans. This is Melanie Mitchell. Be sure to check out my book, Monkey Magic, a book about a TV show about a band. It's a lighthearted review and companion for the TV show that made the 60s fun. The paperback is available online from Amazon or Barnes & Noble. And the ebook can be bought anywhere that fine ebooks are sold. Check out the Monkey Magic Facebook page. Follow me on Tumblr at bluemoonalto.tumblr.com. And listen for my contributions here on Zilch, a monkey's podcast. Hey, hey, ape fans. Did you know that there were not just one, but two Planet of the Apes TV series broadcast in the 1970s? a live-action series in 1974, and an animated series in 1975. And if you're an ape fan who wants to catch up on these series to a fun-filled podcast, then tune in to Talking Apes TV, where we break down each episode with ergotastic conversations. That's right, they are ergotastic until we break into arguments because we don't always see things ape to ape. <laughs> That's because you're always seeing vampires and pigs in with the gorillas, chimpanzees, and zayuses. Every time I watch them, I always see something new. And of course, where you find apes, you find monkeys! There are so many crossovers between the Monkeys and the Planet of the Apes TV series that we even had our podcast composer write this very special jingle. Hey, hey, we're the apes, and people say we monkey around, but we took over the planet, so don't try to keep us You can catch Talking Apes TV every month at skywalkingthroughneverland.com and retrozap.com. And visit our Facebook page at facebook.com slash TV. Now go ape! You know, the word oldies isn't a dirty word. Not in my book, anyway. Hey, this is Ghosty. How would you like to listen to a radio show that spins top hits, lost gems, and then some? from the glorious years between 1955 and 1972. One that features interviews with the likes of Julie Newmar, John Sebastian, Al Jardine, Mickey Dolenz, Don Wells, David Cassidy, Angela Cartwright, Bill Medley, Ronnie Spector, Connie Stevens, and many more. Well, the Vintage Rockin' Pop Shop is on the air every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time on 89.1 WFDU-FM. That's in the uh, New York, New Jersey area. You can also listen to it live online by going to WFDU.FM. But there's an even easier way for you folks who aren't in the New York, New Jersey area. 
and don't want to have to get up at 11 a.m. Eastern Time on a Sunday morning, you can listen to it anytime you want just by clicking the handy links over on our Facebook page. So go on to Facebook. You're probably already on Facebook. Look for the Vintage Rock and Pop Shop. Like it, live it, love it. And thanks.